gentlemen, happy new year to you. Come on now, we can do better than that. We, I don't know about you, man, but I am expecting great things. We serve a God that is always doing something new. And it never grows old. It never loses its luster. So I pray that you are anticipating great things for this new year. As a matter of fact, um, before we even get started, I want to just share something that I was sharing with our volunteer team. I was trying to resist uh, the, the, uh, the desire to do this, but I said, you know what, I can't help it. And so I want you to envision that you are on a flight. And I want you to hear this. Welcome to flight 2021. We are prepared to take off into the new year. Please make sure your positive attitude and gratitude are secured and locked in the upright position. All self-destruct devices, pity, anger, selfishness, and resentment should be turned off at this time. All negativity, hurt, and discouragement should be put away. Should you lose your positive attitude, <laughs> should you lose your positive attitude under pressure during this flight, reach up and pull down a prayer. Prayers will automatically be activated by faith. Once your faith is activated, you can assist other passengers who are of little faith. There, there will be no baggage allowed on this flight. God, our captain, has cleared us for takeoff. Destination, greatness. Who's ready for 2021? Come on now. I pray you're excited. So today we are starting on a brand new series entitled The Dream Lives On. Are you ready for what God wants to speak into your heart? I'm not here to give you my opinion, ladies and gentlemen. I, if, for any of you that know me or those of you that are getting to know me, or if this is your first time or your millionth time checking us out, one thing you will find out about us is this. We're not interested in giving you religion. I'm not interested in giving you my opinion. It's of no value. We simply want you to consider the truth in God's word. Amen? So if that's you, say this with me. I have ears to hear. I have eyes that perceive. And I have a heart that's ready to understand and receive the living word of God. All right, you guys said it. I believe God's about to speak to you. So today we are beginning a brand new series. And listen, last week we ended off the new year, the, the, uh, 2020, on a series that wasn't just helping us to move past 2020, but it was really teaching us how to move on from the past so that we can move forward and live forward. And I feel that God in all his wisdom, in all his wisdom set us up because this new series uh, is really going to propel us not just into this new year. I'm not trying to pump you up, but I want you to consider something that after you've, you're done with the past, after the past is past and you've broken free, what's left? What's next? Which leads us into our series today. Today we're going to be starting a new series entitled, The Dream Lives On. The Dream Lives On. See, dreams are the substance of great feats in life. Think about this on the most practical levels. The planes we see in the air, the homes that we live in, the ingenuity of inventions, the building of our societies, all these great things, they all began with a dream. A dream in the hearts of men like you and me that brought about great accomplishments and have even served to change our world. Now, here's what's important, that while dreams are powerful and serve as the beginning to great things, dreams can also be dangerous. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Dreams are dangerous if they are not in line, if they are not founded 
upon the right foundation. Let me give you some context for what I'm talking about here directly from God's word. Proverbs 16.9 says this, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Now, according to this verse, I want you to dig into this. You and I have the ability to plan out our way. As a matter of fact, for some of us, we do that very well. We plan and we plan and we plan and we plan and we plan, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. But the word plan here means to devise or to invent. In other words, you and I have the power to plan, to devise, to invent, to create. But the scripture says that it is the Lord who establishes our steps. Now, it's important to note here that this scripture does not say, because for some of us, this is how we interpret it. I have a plan, and God will establish my plan. And that's not what this verse says at all. What it actually says is, is that uh, instead it says that God is the one that brings clarity to our dreams and shows us his way. The word established here in the Hebrew means to make firm, to fix a right, to make prosperous. So in other words, what it's saying is that God gives you the firmness on which to stand. He gives you the stability uh, with which to walk through. He gives you the way to go. And so, uh, in other words, you may have dreams, but God is the one that straightens the course for your life as you allow his dreams to be revealed to you and make the choice, the most important choice, which is to align yourself with God's plan. Amen? So every one of us has dreams. Every one of us has dreams that inspire us to find fulfillment. Every one of us has dreams that uh, towards something greater. Everyone dreams. Would you agree? Yeah. Now, the thing about it is that a dream that you dream is only, I'm sorry, a dream that you dream alone. In other words, it does, has nothing to do with God, is only a dream. It's only a dream. But a dream that you dream with God is a reality in the making. Now, I don't know about you, but I've always had dreams. Sometimes they seemed more distant. Sometimes they even seemed dead. But I'll tell you when those dreams have come alive. The moment I came into partnership with God. Now, let me ask you a question for you who dream. Whether you believe in God or not. Whether you're doing this with God or not. For you who do it in and of yourself. For you who have a plan, devise your way, strategize on your next step. How's that working for you when you don't include God? Well, it might be working out, but let me ask you this. Is it truly fulfilling? Because if it was, you wouldn't have to do it anymore. See, those things are temporal. And God has dreams for you. God has big dreams for you. But if they are to come to fruition, your dreams must become his dreams first. And so today, as I said, I'd like to talk to you uh, in, in line with this new series on the topic, your dreams begin with God's dream. Your dreams begin with, God dream, with God's dreams. For the next several weeks, we will be digging into the word and learning from the life of a dreamer. A guy named Joseph. And this guy, Joseph, uh, as we look at his life, we're going to be examining his life journey to realizing the dream that God had for him 
in an effort to learn how we can see God's dream come to pass in our lives. Now, I want to be very clear that my goal here, our goal here through this series is not to teach you and tell you what God's specific dream is for your life. That's not my job. I'm sorry, that's between you and God. But what we will see through Joseph's life is a revelation of the process of how God leads us to his dreams in hopes that you and I will start upon the journey to fulfilling God's dreams for your life to something greater. Now the scriptures introduce us to this guy Joseph at a time when he was quite ambitious. He had big dreams, but you see he was immature and he was unprepared for what God had for him. He had a dream for life that was from God, but he made a crucial mistake, a mistake that you and I must examine and look to so that uh, we will not end up in the position that he could have ended up, which was to derail the plan that God had for his life. In Genesis chapter 37, verse 1, if you'll start with me there, it says, So Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan. Now this is a land of promise. This is a land that God foretold that this would be the place, this would be the beginning of the lands where God would expand his people and, and do great things. And so it says uh, that Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan where his father lived as a foreigner. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Billah and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. And Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. And so one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say any kind word to him. So one night, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, so you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think that you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Soon, Joseph had another dream. And again, he told his brothers about it. Listen, I have had another dream, he said. The sun, moon, and 11 stars bowed low before me. This time, he told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers. But his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that? He asked, will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. So as we can see, Joseph had big dreams, dreams of greatness, but his vision for his dreams were narrow. It was narrow. Joseph was from a line, from the line of Abraham. As a matter of fact, he was one of Abraham's great-grandsons, which meant that he was a benefactor, a conduit, a vessel, a part of the process that God would use 
to, uh, through the promise that he gave Abraham that through his lineage, God's blessing would touch the entirety of humanity. But Joseph made a crucial mistake when he received this God-given dream. Listen, Joseph took a hold of God's dream without God. Listen closely. From the text, we see that Joseph got ahead of God by trying to make it happen on his own. You see, Joseph caught a vision of God's dream for his life, that he was destined to be a ruler, that he was destined to be a man of great influence. He was to be the one through which God would establish the foundation of Israel as a nation as they came out of Egypt. But Joseph was immature. Joseph, he allowed the grandeur of God's dream to be limited by his own desire for greatness. So when he shared his dream with his family, it was not well received because the full scope of God's dream had not yet even become clear to him. See, he made it about himself instead of making it about God. And so as a result, it blew up in his face as his brothers concocted a plan that would lead him into slavery and rip him from his family. And there's more to come on that next week. I promise you, I'm leaving you in a cliffhanger this week. We're not looking at his whole life, right? But from Joseph's story thus far, we learn an invaluable truth. And here's what I want you to consider. If God is not at the forefront of your dreams, it's not a dream at all. It's a nightmare in the making. Listen closely, I'm going to say that again. If God is not at the forefront of your dreams, if his dream has not become your dream, if his vision has not become your vision, if his plan has not become your plan, if his good purposes have not become your purposes that lead you to good in life, it's not a dream at all. It's a nightmare in the making. And so as we'll see later on, as we dig into his life story more, Joseph endured much heartache, but he was at the heart of much of his pain. See, his journey, the way he began his journey uh, to this dream, he made mistakes along the way. And the thing about it is God still brought him through. Amen. So if you're lamenting your mistakes... If you're realizing, man, I've gone wrong in my pursuit of God's dream for my life. If you realize, I haven't even factored God into the equation. And now you see, man, I've started on the wrong foot here. I've made, no wonder I'm where I'm at. Let me say something to you. Don't be down. Don't get down on yourself. Because God can bring you through too. Amen? And so there's some things that I want to share with you from the scriptures that I believe will speak directly to your heart as you begin this journey to making God's dream your dream, to making that transition, that, that, to, to taking that transplant of God's heart in place of your heart. And the first thing that I want to leave you with here today is this, is that a God-given dream is never as big as you think. I'm going to say that again. A God-given dream is never as big as you think. See, Joseph's dream was big, but his vision was small. It was small. He thought that God's dream was about turning the tables on the abuse that he endured at the hands of his brothers. He thought that God's dream for his life was about bringing him out, of the, uh, out, out from under the authority of his parents so that he could rule over them. 
And that seemed like a great dream in his view. You know, when I was a kid, that was my dream. I can't wait till I get out of here. <laughs> then it happened and I realized the nightmare that I had created. <laughs> but listen, to Joseph, this seemed like a big dream. It was immense. It was, it was the panacea. It was the cream of the crop. It was, man, that's what life is all about. But his dream was small because he lacked the details that only God could provide. See, what you think is a big dream is really small in comparison to God's dream for you. See, a God-given dream is never as big as you think because it's bigger. Listen, God's dream is bigger than what you and I can imagine or think of. Listen to the scriptures. We looked at the scripture last week as we ended off 2020 and we ended off our series. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says this, However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Now, let me tell you why this is such an important and crucial truth to consider and to let simmer into our hearts. Because for you and I, we have the tendency to conceive by what we think, by what we see, by what we hear. Man, it looks good in their life, so it must be good for my life, right? You ever heard this? I, I heard someone say this. I can't tell you who at the moment. He says, don't go by what people do. They, they're usually going to just show you their highlight reel, right? Don't go by social media. Everybody's happy on social media. Right? Everybody's doing great. Everybody's living their best life. It's lies, right? And so listen, we have the tendency to go by what we see with our eyes, by what we hear with our ears, and what our minds conjure up in and of ourselves. But watch what God says. He says, I don't fit there. I do more than what you can conceive with your eyes, within your hearing, and in your heart, in your own limited understanding. Listen to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 from the Passion Translation. It says, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. Accomplish what? Watch this. It says, he will achieve infinitely less. Is that what it says? No, infinitely more than your greatest request. You must, your most unbelievable dream and exceed your wildest imagination. Man, I, I wish there were some people in this house that would just dream wild. That would just break loose. That would just think big. Think beyond the natural capacity. Dare to see something different. Watch this. He says, he will outdo them all. <laughs> For his miraculous power constantly energizes you. I want you to see something, that the work that God does in you and I, once you begin to become a receptor, a recipient of the truth in God's word, it begins to enlarge your heart. It begins to enlarge you past your pain, past your past, past your circumstances. It begins to create room in you to dream big, to believe big, to see big, to do bigger and greater things. <laughs> Listen, your question when faced with what God is calling you to do should never be, is it possible? 
Your response should never lead you to be intimidated by the size of God's call. Your question should be, is it impossible enough? <laughs> I'm going to tell you why. Because Jesus said what's impossible with men is possible with God. God does the impossible. You know why he does the impossible? Because he takes out you and me out of the first two letters. There's no apostrophe there. But if you just take out the I and the M, you and I no longer have anything to do with it. It's not I'm a possible, it's, it's possible with him. You get that? That was a lot deeper in my head, but anyway. <laughs> Don't mind me, man. I'm just your plain Jane type of guy. But listen, a God-given dream will never lead you to question, is it possible? You'll begin to ask questions like, is it impossible enough? Your response should be, am I believing too small? Am I playing it too safe? A God-given dream will never drive you to figure out how you can do it. God doesn't give you weight. He says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. His vision will never be a weight. It will not press you down. It will not lead you to figure it out on your own. A God-given dream will draw you like a magnet to a complete trust and dependence on God. It will ignite passion in you and draw you to God for the details. It will create a deeper relationship with God. If you feel that God is calling you to something, if you feel that God is showing you something, stop going to people. Stop going to people for confirmation. Stop going to people for help. Stop going to people for answers. Stop going to people for their experience. If God gave you a word, walk with God. He will show you the details. See, that's where Joseph went wrong. He had a God-given dream, but he made it small by making it about himself. And it drove him to make it happen. It drove him to make it happen. He lived with that pressure. Maybe you're like Joseph where you're content with deducing God's dreams to fit your wants and your situation and your understanding. Can I, can I say to you that's small? Can I, can I say to you that it's not even faith at all? It's not. It's not. My advice to you is don't do it. Don't go there. You're setting yourself up to miss out on an opportunity, a great opportunity with God. In the book of Ezekiel, uh, Recently, I talked about this, but in the book of Ezekiel, God calls the prophet Ezekiel, and he, he, he leads him to the Dead Sea. And when he gets to the Dead Sea, he's giving him a depiction, and he's giving us a depiction of how this works with God, of what God's trying to do in our lives. And so the, 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 the scripture says, Ezekiel uh, recounts that the, the angel of the Lord, the, the, the spirit of the Lord, draws a thousand cubits. He, he measures out a thousand cubits, which is about 1,700 square feet. And it's 1,700 feet. And so he, he, he measures out 1,000 square feet, and he says, let's go there. And when they get there, their feet are in water in the Dead Sea. And the scripture says that the Spirit draws out another 1,000 uh, uh, cubits. And he goes with the Spirit, and then he finds himself at his, uh, at, at his knees. And then the scripture says that the Spirit of God says, measures out another 1,000 cubits and takes him in. And now he's at waist level. But he can still walk. He can still control the circumstances. He can still move as he wishes. But then the scripture says that the spirit 
measures out another thousand uh, uh, cubits, and Ezekiel finds himself in the water at neck level, and he no longer has control. And at that point, the scripture says that then Ezekiel finds himself on the other side. See, when you're in control, you dictate and you place limits on what God wants to do and where he wants to take you. But look at what's on the other side. Ezekiel 47, 12 says this. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. You seeing that? Now you're going, now you're producing fruit. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit. Because the water from the sanctuary, from the most holy place, from God's kingdom himself, flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food, that's your provision, and their leaves for healing. That's your gift and your calling. Listen closely. Listen closely. When you dare to dream beyond the borders of your safety zone, where you are in control, and you dare to go where God is calling you to, it not only leads you to flourish in the blessing of God. You can't miss this. Like the fruit trees, it leads you to grow. It leads you to grow. And I'm going to say this with some level of confidence, not because I know anyone's story, but I believe that there are some of us, I've been there myself, where we feel dry, where we feel unaccomplished, where we feel like, man, you know what? I've lost the joy of my salvation. I feel like I'm missing something. Can I say to you, my friend, you've been walking out your own plan and not God's. And it's time to let him dictate the flow and take you where, he want, where he's calling you to. So I want to encourage you to make room for growth in your life in this new year by breaking out of the borders that you set for God as limits. I want to encourage you to make room for growth in your life in this new year by breaking out of the borders that you set for God as limits. Which leads me to my next point. God's dream belongs to those who prepare for it. I'm going to say that again. God's dream belongs to those who prepare for it. The dream God had for Joseph's life was a great one. But as we saw, he wanted to accomplish the promise without the process. See, like Joseph, many believers are asleep to the fact that the distance between the fulfillment of God's dream and where you currently are is a path called preparation. It's preparation. Listen, God's dreams do not happen without your preparation. God's dreams do not happen without your preparation. Joseph bubbled with excitement at the revelation of God's dream for his life. But Joseph wasn't prepared. And when you're not prepared, let me tell you something. Excuse your ability to understand what God is doing. Joseph did not see the full plan. He wasn't prepared. In declaring the dream to his brothers, Joseph was attempting to align them with the promised outcome without aligning himself with God's process of preparation. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 3 says this. For a dream comes with much business and a fool's voice with many words. That word business there, let's leave that scripture up there, please. That word business there, 
uh, speaks of work or occupation while travailing. Let me just translate that for you in layman's terms. It means work or something that you are occupied with over an extended period of time with great effort. See, God is telling us here that while his dreams uh, for our lives are sure and secure, you must be sure to prepare. You must be about the business of preparation. Preparation does not come without effort and cost. Listen, ask the Olympic champion, ask the successful businessman, ask any man or woman of God who has advanced in any regard in the kingdom of God, the purposes of God, and you will see the same, the, the, the same answer. Man, yes, it, we rejoice at the call, but it costs something. And the greatest cost is the decision to not prepare. You have to make the choice of preparation. In this verse, we also see what hinders the person who never moves towards God's dream. They talk about it much, but they're not willing to do much about it. You know, when the scripture says here, when it talks about the fool's voice, that it's with many words, you know, you know, what, you know what it's saying there when it, when it uses the word voice in the Hebrew? It's literally the, the Hebrew word for bleeding sheep. Nah, nah, nah. But the connotation, the implication of the usage of that word there is that it is noise. It's noise. See, the fool tells everyone, I'm called. The fool tells everyone, God, this is what God has for me. The fool tells everyone, this is what God wants to do in my life. This is what he's doing. But you see, the fool's doing it with the intent of getting people to do the hard work and the preparation for them. Hmm. They want everyone to know it, but it's noise because their intent is to get someone else to get them there. And there's no preparation in that. See, preparation brings God's dream into your present so you can do something about it now. I'm going to say that again. Preparation brings God's dream into your present. So you, somebody say me. me. Somebody say he's talking to you. Tell somebody else he's talking to me. I pray you are personalizing this. Preparation brings God's dream into your present so you can do something about it. I remember, um, you know, it, it, it's interesting. When you look back, you, you, you see the hand of God in so many ways and on, on uh, New Year's Eve, early that morning, I was uh, sitting in front of my house. We have an area, seating area, and you know, it's kind of concealed by bushes and all that. And I'm sitting there, and I was just talking to the Lord. And all of a sudden, I started thinking about a song that took me quite a few years back. Some of you may be too young to remember it. It's a song by a group called Christ for the Nations. It says, when I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me, uh, how he lifted me up, um, how he healed me with the Holy Ghost. And, 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 he, and, I, and I started to meditate on that. And then I started listening to some old school Michael W. Smith. <laughs> Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. Yeah. Right? And I began to meditate on those songs. And as I looked back, what I saw is that in those moments where I had no clarity, God was working. See, 
my wife, for many years, even before we met, she was, she took up business administration, she took up accounting, she took up all these different things. She was involved with my, my sister-in-law and, and family. They were, they were doing things in community centers all throughout the Bronx. They were working with kids. They were involved in every aspect of church. I mean, they were running sound when it was analog and all you had to do was raise and they, they didn't know what they were doing, but they were growing in that. For me, I started in church, but later on, in my young adulthood years when I kind of started looking for God beyond what people told me, and I began to search that for myself genuinely, I began to learn some things, and I began to grow in some areas. I began to understand the word, but I also got involved in the thick of everything. I was involved in every aspect, anything that I could. Man, I cleaned toilets, I vacuumed carpets, I moved equipment, I set up sound systems, I broke it down. Whatever I could do, that's where I wanted to be. But listen, it wasn't because I was trying to get anything from anyone. It's because for me, it was just like, well, this is, this is what I want to do. This, this is what I should do for me. I'm not, I'm not saying that that should be you. But there was a heart, a love for God that just drove me to go beyond myself, to share my faith. We began working with youth and all these other things. And in the midst of all that, I would constantly hear from people, you know, one day you're going to be a pastor. And I would always say, nah, not me. Not me. I don't believe it. No way. You don't know my past. You don't know the thoughts that go through my mind. You don't know the words that come out my mouth. You don't know the double standard that I, that, that I live in and, and, and that I struggle with, the things that I hold on to. I thought myself unqualified and inadequate. What I didn't realize was the process. The process that was happening. Listen, God is not calling you to perfect the process. He's calling you to be perfected by the process of preparation. As you begin to seek God, it begins to grow you. And so here's the thing. We were always occupied with what God was doing in the now. In the now. Let me ask you a question. Are you in the thick of the now of whatever God is doing around you, among you? Or are you waiting for your opportunity to come? Can I, can I share some good news with you, my friend? Your opportunity is here already. It's already before you. The scriptures say that God has prepared for you good works to do. The scripture says that you are thoroughly equipped by his word, that you have an anointing and that you do not require someone to just beat you and teach you with the word. What you require is to get to know what has already been deposited within your newborn again spirit. You have an anointing and the scripture says you know all things. You know why some of us don't know what we know? Because we don't dig in to find out. That begins with God. That's part of the preparation process. I feel the need to say this to someone, whoever you may be, whether you're online or you're here with us. In Luke chapter 14, I believe it is, Jesus uses an analogy. He uses an example. And he says this. He says, if you're invited to a wedding banquet, he says... Don't go sit in the place of importance. Don't go to the front. He says, sit in the back. Lest when you sit in the front, someone of greater importance comes and they tell you, friend, you need to back up. You need to go back there. No, he says instead, sit in the back. 
that they may invite you to the front. See, that's wisdom. It's not about advancing your castle, ladies and gentlemen. It's about advancing his kingdom. It's about being submitted to what God is doing in the place of preparation, even right now, even right in this moment. There's something that God is doing in your life. And the last point that I want to leave you with here is this, that true, your dream may not always begin with God, but God's dream always begins with you. Let me say that again. Your dream may not always begin with God, but God's dream always begins with you. Listen, Joseph did not begin in pursuit of his dream with God in mind. <laughs> he just wanted to rule over his brothers and sisters and his mother and his father and get back at him. He wasn't even pursuing God in the midst of it, if you really look at it. But that did not mean that God wasn't at work behind the scenes of his life. Like Joseph, God is at work in you right now. I'll prove it to you. There's someone here today, and maybe for the first time or for the first time in a long time, you're saying, God, what would you have me do? God, what are you calling me to? My friend, you are in a good place, if that's you. Because your eyes are being opened, and you are about ready to receive greatness. I leave you with this story as we stand and come to a close. It says, once there were trees on a hill in the woods. They were discussing their hopes and dreams when the first tree said, Someday, I hope to be a treasure chest. I could be filled with gold and silver and precious gems. I could be decorated with intricate carving and everyone would see the beauty that I am and that I contain. The second tree said, Someday I will be a mighty ship. I will take kings and queens across the waters and sail to the corners of the world. Everyone will feel safe in me because of the strength of my home. Finally, the third tree said, I want to grow to be the tallest and straightest tree in the forest. People will see me on top of the hill and look up to my branches and think of the heavens and God and how close to them I am reaching. I will be the greatest tree of all time and people will always remember me. After a few years of praying that their dreams would come true, a group of woodsmen came upon these trees. When one came to the first tree, he said, this looks like the wood, this, this looks like a strong tree. I think I should be able to sell the wood to a carpenter. And he began cutting it down. The tree was elated because he knew that the carpenter would make him into a beautiful treasure chest. The second, a second woodsman came upon the second tree and he says, this looks like a strong tree. I should be able to sell it to the shipyard. The second tree was ecstatic because he knew he was on his way to becoming a mighty ship. And then finally, a third woodsman came upon the third tree and the tree was frightened because he knew that if they cut him down, his dreams would not come true. And one of the, woodmen, one of the woodsmen said, 
I don't need anything special from my tree, so I'll just take this one. And he cut it down. When the first tree arrived at the carpenters, he was made into a feed box for animals. He was then placed in a barn and filled with hay. This was not at all what he had prayed for. The second tree was cut and made into a small fishing boat. His dreams of being a mighty ship and carrying kings seemingly had come to an end. The third tree was cut into large pieces and left alone in the dark. The years went by and the trees forgot about their dreams. Then one day, a man and woman came to the barn. She gave birth and they placed the baby in the hay in the feed box that was made for the first, from the first tree. The man wished he could have made a crib for the baby, but this manger would have to do. The tree could feel the importance of this event and knew that the life it held was the greatest treasure known to mankind. Years later, a group of men got in the fishing boat made from the second tree. One of them was tired and went to sleep. And while they were out on the water, a great storm arose. And the tree didn't think it was strong enough to keep the men safe. The men woke the sleeping man and he stood and said, Peace, be still to the wind and the waves. And the storm stopped. At seeing this, the tree knew it had, been ca it had carried the king of kings in its boat. Finally, someone came and got the third tree. It was carried through the streets as the people mocked the man who was carrying it. When they came to a stop, the man was nailed to the tree and raised in the air to die at the top of a hill. When Sunday came, the tree came to realize that it was strong enough to stand at the top of the hill and be as close to God as was possible because Jesus had been crucified on it. My friend, the moral of this story is simple and yet important and necessary for you and I. It was when each of these trees saw the need to get out of the way of what they wanted and not just, not just in the way of what they had imagined. It's when these trees made that decision, it's when their thinking shifted and they were open to what God wanted to do, that greatness was revealed. You and I may not always know what God's plans are for us, but we just need to know that his ways are not our ways, that his ways are always best. And so as we close today, I want to encourage you with a sobering thought. Sometimes your dream has to die so God's dream can come alive within you. Make the choice today, my friend. Make the choice to look past your dream so that you can begin upon the journey to discover God's dream for your life. Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us and I can't wait to connect with you next week.